Welcome to the American Institute of Stress's official podcast, Finding Contentment. The goal of this podcast is to highlight new information about stress and stress management techniques. While we understand that stress is a very personalized issue and different for everyone, we hope to help you find your own way to contentment. Welcome, everyone. Greetings. This is your host and executive director for the American Institute of Stress, Will Heckman. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us again today. If you've joined us in the past, uh, you know that this podcast focuses on stress and stress-related issues. Please remember, follow us at stress.org. Send in those reviews and comments. I love hearing from you guys. And at AIS, guys, we need your help. Our mission is to improve the mental and physical health of the community and the world by setting the standard of excellence in stress management, education, research, clinical care, home life, and of course, the workplace. We educate and credential healthcare professionals. We offer products, educational tools for everyone. And we also publish two magazines, Contentment Magazine and also Combat Stress Magazine, which is for vets and first responders. But we need your help to carry out this mission with, of course, a donation. The Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, and your tax-deductible gift allows us to continue helping you, along with service members, first responders, civilians, to navigate stressful situations and have a happier, more rewarding life. And every dollar is greatly appreciated. And there are four ways you can donate. You, you can make an online donation at stress.org. You can start a Facebook fundraiser. You can, we even take checks. You can send us a check. I know it's old fashioned, but we still take them. And if you want to find out some more information, give us a call. Our number is on the site. And by donating to the American Institute of Stress annually, you help support, strengthen, and sustain our legacy of science-based stress management education. All right, guys, we're going to be talking about reducing our stress using the locus of control. Some Information. According to the American Psychological Association, stress in America, this was a 2020 survey, their 2020 survey's uncertainty about what the future holds is, is contributing to rising stress levels. No big surprise there. But some of the statistics are surprising. Nearly seven in 10, that's, you know, seven, almost 70% say that their stress levels have increased over the course of the COVID-19 pandemic, no surprise there. And approximately half of the 3,000 people who responded stated that their behavior has been negatively affected. It's changing people's life. They're more irritable, they have moodiness, and that was cited by 40%. And almost a quarter of the people reported an increase in body tension. More Americans are reporting symptoms of prolonged and acute stress in fact, nearly one in five adults say that their mental health is worse than it was just a year ago. And two thirds responded, say they could have used more emotional support than they received in the past year. A fourth have said they could use a lot more emotional support in the past year. These issues Americans are stressed about are not going away anytime soon. It seems clear we have entered into a time where Americans need support and also education to help them deal with their daily stresses. So I got in touch with one of AIS's well-known members and I asked if she could help us to understand 
some of what's going on and maybe give us some ideas. So joining us today is Shelly Hollander. Elle is founder of the owner of Elevate Stress Management Services. She's in Brunswick, Georgia. Elle has a master's degree in adult education, university diploma in comprehensive nutrition where she focuses her research on nutrition and stress. She completed graduate coursework in psychology and certified in mindfulness practices. And she is also a former public information specialist for a federal government agency. Elle has worked in the field of research for many years. And once she discovered her passion for education and empowering people to manage their stress and increase their well-being, she decided to open her business. And to do that, she has been educating clients on stress management and goal management for more than eight years now. And her company, Elevate, provides affordable one-on-one -on -one and also group stress management coachings. Elevate also provides educative stress seminars on topics ranging from crochet mindfulness to stress and nutrition. And it works with a registered dietitian to prove the accuracy of the dietary information she presents in her seminars. Also as part of Elle's outreach effort to provide stress education to everyone who may benefit from it in her local community, she publishes a free quarterly digital publication. It's called the Stress Digest. That gets distributed to local businesses and where they share it with their employees. And if you'd like to read the Stress Digest yourself, the most current edition can be found at her website at elevatebrunswick.com. That's elevatebrunswick.com. And also she is a diplomat member of the American Institute of Stress. And I was gonna discuss with us today the importance of focusing on our locus of control when we find ourselves in stressful times like now. So please join me in welcoming Shelly Hollander. Hi, El. Thanks for joining us today. Appreciate you taking the time. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here today. You know, the, the, the first thing I wanted to ask you, and I, I asked this about a lot of our guests, because their stories are really interesting. Can, can you tell us how you decided to get into stress management and open it, uh, your company, Elevate? Yeah, absolutely. So I got into stress management in a sort of roundabout way. Um, I was working as a researcher for a public policy institute. And in addition to making policy recommendations and composing commissioned reports and white papers, part of my job was to conduct research groups and do in interviews for municipal departments if they were seeking like restructuring or they wanted to modify their standard operating procedures. And one thing that I found interesting is that it wasn't often the case that their existing policies or their procedures were inadequate, but it was more often the case that people just weren't managing their stress and mm. they weren't really able to coalesce as a group. And it also made it hard for them to follow all the proper protocols. So being a researcher, I decided to research stress management on the side to sort of help them. So part of my interviewing process with them was to help them manage their stress. Um, then uh, my husband and I moved across country. We moved about a thousand miles away. And my son was a toddler at the time and he had uh, several health issues. And then I started to experience a lot of health issues. And we didn't really have any support network around us. And so I began to really personally understand how important stress management is. So I continued doing research into stress management. I made a lot of you know, changes into my life, especially with my thinking. And um, 
was really pleased because I went from a place, honestly, of great anxiety to a place where I just could accept whatever life threw at me. And so when I looked around where I had moved, I didn't really see any jobs for a former public policy researcher. So I decided I'd have to make a job for myself. And that's when I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll help businesses manage their stress and help them make modifications to help them manage their stress. So I started doing that. And then one day I got an email and the headline was need help from my mother. So I thought it was probably a son or a daughter that wanted to reach out on behalf of a parent's business. But to my surprise, it was actually a person asking me if I would work one-on-one -on -one with their mother who had been in therapy for years. And she said that her mother was unable to manage stress well, was unable to set healthy goals. And she asked, you know, would you try working with my mother? So I thought about it and I thought, you know, you could probably apply the same principles that I've been applying to a group to an individual. So I said, you know, as long as she stays in therapy, yeah, we could do some work together. So we did. And then she recommended a relative who recommended a girlfriend of a relative who recommended a friend. And then before I knew it, I was in stress management and I loved it. Oh, you know what? That's not an uncommon story. No. A lot of people who, who have experienced the negative effects of unchecked stress have gone into uh, stress management and stress education and writing about stress because they, they saw such a change in their own lives. They want to share that with people because they, it's stress is, in the last few years has become most more widely accepted as a cause of physical problems and a lot of other problems that go on. Yeah. Uh, I think it's becoming more accepted in, in all walks of life. And so I think your story is one that's familiar to people. Um, and, and I applaud that your efforts in helping so many people. You know, one of the things that Americans stress, we often get talk about the negative effects of unmanaged stress and those effects that it has on us. You know, um, I've had doctors tell me, and it ranges, if you ask two doctors, you get three opinions, but right. anywhere from 70 to 90% of the patients they see for a diagnosable problem can be related back to stress. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how stress can be damaging to us? Yeah, absolutely. So that was one of the first things that actually fascinated me when I started studying stress, because I had no idea um, exactly how the stress response happens in the body. Um, but stress can be very damaging, both physically and emotionally. So we have um, a system in the body to deal with perceived threats. It's a neuroendocrine system called the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. And this HPA access is responsible for garnering extra energy for the fight or flight response. So the hypothalamus is responsible for, among other things, regulating certain metabolic homostasis. So it will disrupt some metabolic processes to gather extra nutrients for the fight or flight response. And the pituitary gland will regulate hormones. And it, again, will disrupt hormone homeostasis to increase catecholamine synthesis. Now the catecholamines, they're what increase our heart rates, our blood pressure, our breathing rate, and they increase our vigilance when we're stressed. 
And one of the uh, catecholamines, epinephrine, will trigger glucose release to provide energy to the muscles to fight or flee. And then the adrenal glands, they're responsible for releasing several hormones during the fight or flight response. Um, most of us are familiar with cortisol, which is the stress hormone. So this is this wonderful system our body uses to manage perceived threats. But the process is meant to be very short term. And if we stay stressed for too long or repeatedly, we'll experience um, what I like to call the unfortunate four. And so number one of the unfortunate four is an increased risk for immune function disrupted, disruption. rather. So it, that is due really to prolonged HPA access activation, which will interrupt key hormonal mediators. And studies have also shown that if the HPA access is aggravated for too long, it might lead to spontaneous production of free radicals. And that could commence oxidative stress in the body. Now, the HPA access activation may also reduce the stores of the very nutrients that we use to fight free radicals. So a vicious cycle of inflammatory responses can occur if we're chronically stressed. Number two is it can impair our mood when we have increased concentrations of inflammatory factors, increased catecholamines and increased plasma cortisol. Studies have shown that mood can be impaired and sometimes for protracted periods of time. So it can affect our mood way beyond just the point that we got stressed. And then thirdly, research has indicated that the effect of moderate to intense chronic stress may impair cognitive memory. Um, and what I mean by cognitive memory here is that it could impair our learning and information retrieval because shifts occur in the brain to favor stimulus response processing instead. So if you're feeling less focused and more reactive when you're stressed, there's a, a reason for it. And then lastly, uh, something most of us are familiar with is that too much circulating cortisol for long periods of time may adversely affect the cardiovascular system. So stress can be very damaging, and I think it can be more damaging than most of us even realize. You know, those, all four of those things are really important to focus in. One of the first things you talked about was our, how it, you know, it affects our immune system and yes. our immune functions. And right now, that's a that's a big topic. You know, everyone is worried about getting sick, or, or a lot of people are worried about it. And and the more you worry about it, the, the more you stress about it. The more you stress about it, the more your immune function is compromised. And you know, it just it just goes on and on. You have to uh, find a happy balance in there somewhere. Now, you talked about free radicals. Yes, I, I know that. That's a, that's a conversation that we could probably have a whole show about, but there's a lot of things that people talk about of, you know, fighting free radicals, their diet, taking vitamins and things like that. And we know that there are a lot of things that contribute to chronic stress and, and, and increasing those free radicals. And people talk about, well, you know, I got to change my diet, I got to change my lifestyle. And you, you guys talk about that too. How does lifestyle really play a role in stress management? Well, I always say that following a stress-reducing lifestyle is just really the best defense against the unwanted effects of chronic stress. And when I talk about lifestyle, I talk about the physical, mental, and social habits that we follow. Um, and so I'll briefly discuss four. So following a healthy balanced diet, like we just discussed is surprisingly really important because, 
you know, the HPA access will hijack quite a few metabolic processes to meet its energy needs. And so we have to have adequate stores of specific nutrients, and then we have to replenish those stores. And the free radical production, of course, you know, we want to make sure that we have plenty of um, the vitamins and minerals that act as antioxidants, as well as antioxidant rich foods like our fruits and our vegetables. Now, unfortunately, when we get stressed, we often reach for fatty foods and carbohydrates. Um, and we really need to try to resist that urge and follow as healthy uh, and balanced a diet as we can when we're feeling stressed. Uh, physical activity is also a really good idea. Um, and that's for a few reasons. So physical activity produces feel good endorphins, it gives us energy, so we're not going to be as easily fatigued by our stressors. It plays a role in detoxification. And studies have shown that regular participation in aerobic exercise will decrease tension, improve sleep and even improve our self esteem to boot. Uh, our mental habits are, of course, a large part of our lifestyle. So they influence our behaviors, our reactions, our decision making, and choosing productive mindsets, you know, really focusing on our locus of control and choosing a mindset that we're going to use in building up our sense of self efficacy, that belief that we can do things to influence the outcomes of the events of our lives is really essential in managing our stress well. And then lastly, of course, it's our social resources are important, you know, from friends to group memberships to just decent relationships with all of those people around us. They all matter because social resources provide us comfort, uplifts and support and studies have shown that we just bounce back quicker when we feel accepted, supported and uplifted. You know, th those are really, really important things. Those are really good points. One of the things that you pointed out is that when people are feeling stressed, uh, a lot of times what they do to relieve their stress is exactly what they should not be doing. Yes. I'm guilty of that myself. You know, you feel stressed, you, you reach for bad food and comfort it's food. It's so hard not to, and I know better, and I'll still do it, and I'll have to yeah. catch myself, like, you know, halfway between and say, you know, I've got to make a better choice here. I, I'm an ex-athlete. Um, I was an athlete for a very long time. No athlete that I know has gone through it and not gotten injured, not one. And all of us have arthritic problems and broken bones, operations, dislocated shoulders. There's a long list. As you get older, those th things are affected by uh, inflammation. So I changed my diet. I stopped eating sugar as wow. much as I could. Right. And I tell you what, what a big um, change it was. You know, just, just getting up every day felt better. My, oh, yeah. my body just just felt better. My joints just felt better. You also talked about mental habits. Yes. I think I'm guilty of that too. I hate to tell you that, you know, <laughs> you know, especially when we're going to sleep at night, you start to think about all the things that you did that day that, oh my God, what if? And when you start playing, what if? Yeah. You're not going to sleep very well. No. And, and the other thing you talked about which is very topical right now is social resources. Yes. How do you have social resources when they tell you don't go talk, don't talk to anybody? They're all disease ridden. Don't touch anybody. Don't breathe on everybody. I mean, it's getting a little bit back to normal now, but I knew people, especially friends of mine who had any kind of, of health issues or physical health issues, they wouldn't leave their house. Yeah, they were afraid to go shopping for, you know, their Publix. 
Yeah, it's very difficult. And I think that's why it's just so important that we remember to reach out to people now. You know, we may not be able to see them face to face, but there's so many different ways to reach out. And we need to reach out for ourselves as well, because like I said, we need a, a certain level of uplifts in our life to the hassles that we have. Mm -hmm. And right now we're we seem to be more hassled than we have been in a long time. So it's really important to build those uplifts into our lives. And, you know, the people around us lift us up. They they give us a acceptance, they give us support, they make us laugh, they make us smile. So it's really important to find a way to reach out. I've been talking to people lately, because um, things are loosening up just a little bit. And do you think, and, and you'll know better than I am, that the social interaction is so helpful because if for nothing else, you can hear someone else's perspective, it might be a Absolutely. little bit more positive than yours. Absolutely. Like you mentioned, you get into, stuck into that what if thinking. And if not a lot of stuff is going on around you, then you kind of get stuck in whatever point of view or mindset that you have. And it's always just wonderful to hear other points of view, different mindsets, and sort of incorporate them into your thought processes at the time, because we can really be our own worst enemy. Mm. And the way we choose to think and the, the narratives that we play out in our head really cause more stress than the stressors themselves most of the time. So absolutely, you're correct on that. We really need to be getting out there and getting different points of view. You know, it, that inner dialogue kills us all. Yes. <laughs> you know, the voices in my head. <laughs> and, and I had a friend talking to me the other day, and he was telling me about his problems at work and all the things that were going on. He was an educator, and there's a lot going on in education right now. And just just how stressed out they are. And I stopped for a moment. I said, well, let me ask you something. If you were listening to someone telling you these things, what would you tell them? And he told me and I said, well, why don't you do the same thing? Yeah. It was just a little bit of moment of realization that, yeah, you know, it's, it's just a little bit of perspective. You know, this too will pass and you know, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, and I like what you said, because also sometimes we have to remember to show ourselves the self-compassion. We show someone else compassion, but sometimes we forget to show ourselves that same self-compassion. So true. I, you know, we'll give a break, a, our friends a break, but we won't give it to ourselves. Yes. That's not fair. You we know, and, I, reminded. <laughs> and I've said before, there's really no one way to address stress. It's, it's different for anybody. It's non-specific, our reaction to it. And I want to know what are some of the things you recommend to those people who are ready to make a lifestyle change. Lifestyle changes are hard. I know when when I just changing my diet, man, that was that was a little hard. You know, I, giving up the ice cream was was a tough one. Oh, <laughs> yes. a, I learned how to do it, but I, I would like to hear what you recommend to people who are who, who are at least are ready to make lifestyle changes. Sure. So yeah, you're absolutely right. There isn't really one way to handle stress because we're all different. We have different personalities. We have different things going in our lives. Um, but the one thing that I found very helpful for everyone is to learn how to set those meaningful lifestyle goals for long-term stress management. So like you were talking about, you had the goal to give up the sugar, give up the ice cream. And it's not enough to just have the goal, right? We have to know how to manage the goal. 
And so this is where our locus of control really comes in. We have to learn how to think of setting a, an action plan. Because when we have effective action plans, uh, we're no longer being like a passive victim to the stressful circumstances of our lives. We're just, we're, we're growing from those stressful circumstances. So what I help my clients do is make sure that their choices for their goals and their action plans are smart, obviously specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time bound. But I also make it fit into another model, which I called OPUS, and that stands for ownership, passion, agency, and significance. So when we're trying to do uh, behavior modifications, we have to have complete ownership of our goal. Because if we don't, if it's conditional on any external factors, the chances of us achieving it is really greatly reduced. But we also have to be passionate about that chosen goal because that's that passion that's going to motivate us. It's not like a job goal where, you know, our boss says you have to do this and maybe I'll get a promotion, maybe I'll get a raise. We have to make ourselves accountable for it. And the way we do that is to make sure that whatever our lifestyle goal is, we have some sort of passion around it. And then we also have to make sure that it's within our current agency. And what I mean by that is, is that we have to set goals that match our current strengths, our current resources, our time constraints, our level of preparedness. We really need to look around and make sure that these goals are matching where we are in our life today and where we, you know, to scaffold off of where we are. And then lastly, uh, goals should really have some sort of long-term significance to keep us persevering. So if it doesn't have a long-term significance, if it's just a general goal, chances are that we're gonna lapse. And they say in goal management, we typically lapse or relapse within three to six months. Mm -hmm. So we can set a general goal, we can feel great about it. You know, we've been doing it for 10 weeks, we feel great. But if it doesn't have any real significance to you, you know, between that three and six months time frame, you're probably gonna give it up. So you really want to make sure that whatever you're choosing to do, it has personal significance to you. It's not just because your neighbor did it or your mother-in-law did it. It's got to really speak to you. So uh, an example for me is when I started to learn to manage my stress, I had set a goal to meditate every morning, 20 minutes. First, I said, I'll do it for three days a week. After about a month, I'll do it five days a week. A smart goal. I was excited about it. Never finished a single week. And then I realized that it was just a general goal. It didn't really, I didn't see the long-term significance other than this is supposed to help me manage my stress. So then when I reflected on it, I thought, you know, what is it that I really want? And I realized what I wanted was to be more intentional, more mindful, and more grateful. Because I found that when I'm intentional, I feel like I'm more in control and that really keeps me calm. And of course, being more mindful and more grateful just really helps combat stress. So I decided that that's what I wanted. So I decided I needed a new goal that, you know, at that time in my life, it, the meditation was just not going to work for me. So I decided I would do mindful journaling and I decided five days a week in the morning, I would set my intention for the day, choose a positive mindset and do an, like a positivity inventory. So I did that every morning and before I knew what I was doing it every evening as well. So here it is years later and I still do that every morning and every night before I go to bed. And so I think that when we choose a goal that is very personalized, 
it's so much easier to keep that goal and that lifestyle change going in the long term. So one of the things that I teach my client is, okay, so you want to manage your stress, but how are you personally going to best manage your stress? There's a lot of options out there, but you've got to cut through the clutter and see what will personally work for you best. I couldn't agree with that more. Uh, you know, I, I say it every show, there's no one way to do it. You personally have to find a way to to manage your stress. And one of the things that you said that is, is very important is that you should have some way for the goal to be measurable. Yes. You know, it, it, just having a general goal is, it, it's good. It's not a bad thing because it gets you on that road. But uh, being an, an educator, uh, those measurable objectives are very important. Those measurable goals very important it's a way for you to 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 tell if you're succeeding at that and if you're not to refocus yourself on it exactly. um, you, you talked about passion i can't tell you how many people when i was an athlete came to me and talked about hey i want to work out and i want to get better, better in shape and i would say to them you're not going to do it you're just not going to do it you're going to go to the gym you're going to what are you going to do lift the weights you're going to be bored in a month I said, the, the way to get into shape and to be healthy is to find some sort of activity or sport that you really like to do, that you enjoy doing. I don't care if it's walking or boxing, but that passion for that sport, for that activity will keep you going. Exactly. And, and that seemed to work better for people. Um, you know, it's, you were talking about your personal experience with meditation. I've had similar experiences where I've sat down to meditate in different ways. There are many different ways. Uh, and some of them just, they just didn't work. They just weren't for me. Um, I, for me personally, I found these shorter breathing exercises and meditating that way to help me. Actually, yes, me too. The five minute breathing exercises yeah. just really calm my system down. But for me, the sitting there um, in solitude for 20 to 30 minutes, just it, it doesn't work for me. It works for many, many people. Right. But for me, it's hard for me to stop the thought processes. And I know you're, that's the whole goal of it. Um, but after a while, I feel like I'm just a little bit too much in solitude. So it's not the way for me to handle my stress. I feel that I'm already pretty mindful and I feel like I'm already, um, I can keep my body pretty calm. So the meditation didn't work for me, um, per se, but it works for so many people. So again, we just have to find what works for us. And you know, what you talked about journaling which yeah. I've always been a big proponent for. Because when you're writing something, pen in hand, yellow pad for me. <laughs> I'm an old guy, I still write on yellow <laughs> pads. <laughs> uh, there's a connection between the intellectual thought process and the physicality of writing it down on a piece of paper that makes you focus in on what it is that you're doing. It is, it is a way to be mindful because you're doing something physical and mental. Absolutely. And if you do that, like you do every morning, it takes out the need for motivation. That's a, a, a secret that somebody was uh, nice enough to teach me. If you do it like brushing your teeth every day, there's no need for motivation. You just do it. Yeah, it becomes a habit. It becomes automatic. And, and it's a good habit. 
Yes. Uh, so I think I think that you know your your speaking about journaling is a really good recommendation for people. They should try it. You know, yeah. it, it's just for you. You don't have to publish. And there's so many different ways to do it. Right, and there are a lot of you don't have to do a yellow pad like I do. It's just, <laughs> yeah, just um, one of the problems people are having now, and we've had this discussion lately. I've been talking to nurses and other health professionals, and obviously they're under a lot of stress right now because they're being called on to do a lot of different things. One of the things that they're talking about that is stressing people out right now is where people can go to get support and just even education on how to handle their daily stress. The days where you could just walk into someone's office and sit down and do talk therapy, they may be back or coming back, but for a while there, that wasn't happening. And for people that already had emotional or mental stress issues, well, you know, that had a big negative effect. Yes. Uh, and while we're learning, you know, that we talked about digital natives and digital immigrants like me, while we're learning <laughs> to do it virt virtually, um, not everybody has the ability to do that. So what I wanted to talk to you about is where people can go to get support, education, and, you know, just to deal with their daily stress when it becomes too overwhelming. Yeah, sure. So if they don't have someone, if they don't have, you know, a social network to reach out to, or they're unable to find someone to talk to, or maybe it's just not affordable for them at this time, there's so many different resources out there. Um, and I think the two key things is to raise our stress profile awareness so we understand what stresses us out and how we react to the stress, since everybody's different. And then after that, we focus on our locus of control. So I found that, um, you know, if you want a fun website that's going to teach you skills and also, you know, raise your awareness, there's mindtools.com. But what I really love is that there's a stress mastery questionnaire right on the American Institute of Stress's website, stress.org. And it's low cost, it's very comprehensive, and anybody can go on there and take it. It doesn't take a lot of time. And it will really give you an idea of the areas of stress that you should be focusing on. Now, we all like to think we understand how we're stressed, but actually we don't. Um, but there's many times we don't understand that, oh, wow, that little thing is kind of a trigger for me and it triggers this sort of behavior. And that questionnaire makes it very clear to us. And I think that is a good resource for people to go. And then also there's, you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, uh, stress.org has magazines, it has blogs, it has videos. So there's a great resource on there. And then also there's practitioners on there and there's scholars on there. So just starting right there is a great, I think a great starting point for anybody. Well, thank you. Yes, there are. We do have a lot of resources and we try to encompass everyone across uh, the spectrum, you know, if you're a health professional, if you're an average guy like me, and you just need information, it's a great place to go. The SMQ, as Elle said, is, is you know, it's, it's painless. We offer it at a really, really discounted price. Um, it's affordable to anyone, it costs about as much as lunch. And it really can help you. And it's very comprehensive. And you're right, we don't always know what our stress triggers are. 
I, I, you know, I've taken it. I've taken that. And there's a couple of, we have a, a workplace one also. I've taken them all, you know, it's just as an exercise and also because I wanted to know. And they are really helpful. Right? They sort of point a finger at things. So, you know, go to stress.org, take our test um, yeah, and, and, just, and just see it. The magazines, are, 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 what a great resource they are. I can't tell you how, some, you know, I see them and how impressed I am with some of the writers uh, that we are able to <laughs> coerce into writing articles for us. Um, and, and they're really interesting. They're well-written. You know, combat stress I, I, is for veterans and first responders and people on the first line. And I, I get a lot of comments about that from people who are suffering from uh, PTSD and other stress-related problems, how, how much that has helped them and given them a resource to look for. Yeah, and and let's I, not forget Elevate Brunswick. Yes, I, I do have a copy of the Stress Digest on there. Yeah. Um, it's just bite-sized uh, information, but still, if you're looking for little tweaks um, to maybe help with your mindset or to um, create upward spirals when you're feeling down, then you can go to www.brunswick.com and you can just click on the Stress Digest and, and sort of go through that. That, well, I think that's it. And everyone listening, if you, you should absolutely try that. Uh, there's a lot of great information there, too. Uh, you know, people should need information. I have to tell you, on one, one month, we had 300,000 people looking for help. Wow. Yeah. And that's a, that's a lot uh, for an organization to uh, to be able to answer questions and, and give them resources and tools that they need. Uh, we're so happy that when we hear back from people that say that they were helped. Um, and also and there's this podcast. Yeah. And I'm certain that there's even more people that if they were to find out about the American Institute of Stress would absolutely benefit from it. It's such a great place where all this information is aggregated by scholars and practitioners and, and really some of the best of the best in the field. Yep. Well, we 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 were founded by the uh, Hans Saye, who pretty much termed the uh, word stress as we use it today. Right. So that was back in the uh, Stone Age in the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for for taking the time to talk with us today. I wish we, I wish we had more time. I appreciate all the things. I think you gave us a lot of great tips. Uh, a lot of things that we can do today. And, and I think if people are listening, that they're going to receive a lot of help from just following some of your recommendations. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. And don't forget, everyone, go to elevatebrunswick.com. Look at the resources they have there. And that's going to do it for today. This has been your host, Will Heckman. I want to thank you all for joining us again today. Don't forget to please follow this podcast. and You can listen to this podcast just about anywhere and send in those reviews. I like hearing from you guys. And please remember to help support us at stress.org. Make a donation. Uh, it helps keep making these podcasts as well as all the other things we do. And I want to remind everyone that just like we said today, just as stress is different for each of us, there is no one stress reduction or management strategy that is right for everyone. So that means you need to join us next time because we're going to explore more stress management strategies and insights. 
And remember to visit stress.org, gather information, tools, techniques to live healthier and happier and longer life. And I hope the information you heard today from Ellen and myself will help you to find intensity. So good day, everyone. <laughs>